Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, brought to you by Nurse.org. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist and family nurse practitioner, and of course, chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. I'm always delighted to have these podcast interviews because I feel like this is a great way to have enlarged conversation about things that we don't always get to talk about at work, in the break room, or maybe we don't want to talk to our coworkers, but we want to talk to other colleagues to figure out what's going on in the lay of the land. Because sometimes when we're one place, we think it's like that everywhere and it's not. So anyways, shout out to nurse.org for helping to bring the podcast, because this is something that we as nurses need. And if you're not a nurse, I'm not excluding you. This is for all healthcare professionals. We just focus on nursing things because obviously I'm a nurse. But if you're a nursing student, nurse, new grad, a nurse for a while looking to pivot your career, please visit nurse.org. They have tons of great information. Now, speaking of great information, um, you're going to be really excited about today's guest. I have Dr. Marketa Hauskova. She's a registered nurse, and she's the executive director of ANA California. Now, I thought this was such an important topic because recently on Nurse.org, we were talking about nurses being more involved and participating in the meetings, uh, the public meetings for the Board of Registered Nursing, because they're the, you know, they're the agency that governs our practice, our license, our education, and things like that. We need to show up and be a part of that conversation. Now, as part of that, I was reminded that the BRN, although we think it's for us, was really established to protect the public. Yes, guys, it was established to protect the public. And I think that in the back of my mind, I, I knew I thought this in the back of my mind, that I thought that the Board of Registered Nursing and the American Nurses Association were kind of one or worked really hand in hand with things. And I've learned through the course of my career that that's not always the case. But to here to clarify all that information, I wanted to bring on my friend, Dr. Haskova. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. Uh, what a lovely introduction. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure being here. And again, shout out to Nurse.org. Yes, thank you. So Dr. Marquetta, can you tell us a little bit more about your background? So you're a registered nurse, but you're also the executive director. I'll be honest. I initially used to think that the board of directors for ANA were not nurses. And in some cases, they're, they are not nurses or they've not been nurses. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and your role with ANA California. So I've been named the uh, executive director of American Nurses Association California in October 2017. And prior to 2017, for a year and a half or two years, I was uh, helping out and, and working for ANAC in different capacities, such as uh, government affairs director and state director. And so, uh, so, so, so that, is the, that is the latest chapter. Uh, before that, I am a foreign educated nurse from uh, Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic. And so I've dealt with the the California Board of Registered Nursing throughout my career, and especially you know 20 years ago when um, when I applied for for my California nursing license, and so that was my first introduction 
to the BRN and to the power, responsibility, and the opportunities that the California BRN Board of Registered Nursing has. It's important to state that it's the only licensing and enforcement entity in California that uh, focuses and deals with all registered nursing in California. So there is around, I don't know, half a million registered nurses, around 350 or so thousand of actively practicing registered nurses. nurses. And so any licensing or any enforcement uh, issue, uh, everything must go through the BRN. So I think it's important to recognize the sheer scope and scale of this government entity. Now, uh, California BRN is uh, tasked with the, the first and foremost, all these boards, licensing boards, their responsibility is to protect the public, right? Yes. Protect the public from bad actors, protect the public from uneducated and, um, and not practicing correctly registered nurses, speaking about our board. There are, I think, around 19 uh, licensing boards in California. So, so, so that's one aspect, right? Protect the public. Now, their dual role is that next to protecting public, they need to be protecting public through appropriate nursing education. So nursing students and our future colleagues are appropriately educated so they can be providing safe, high quality, time and relevant, timely and relevant patient care. And also they are regulating the actual nursing practice. So while the California legislature which is, you know, 80 assembly members and 40 California senators, they are the ones who are passing laws in terms of nursing practice and nursing education. It is the California BRN that promulgates regulation. So the law states, we need nurses to do this and this and this. And then it is the BRN that actually writes the steps, writes how it's going to be carried out, what the steps will be, what the deadline will be. So this is what we call promulgating regulation. So the law doesn't strictly state exactly how the intent will be carried out. It is the licensing and regulatory body responsibilities, and that's what we call promulgating regulations. Now, that's California BRN. Now, I work for ANA California, completely different entity, completely different organization, has nothing to do with BRN. We are a professional nursing association. We are the uh, state constituent member of the national ANA. We have been established in February 1995, and so we've been, uh, we've been growing steadily, and we've been uh, really focused on issues of legislature, leg legislature and regulation and policy change, because as a 501c6, Nonprofit organization. We are from IRS. <laughs> we are, we have a status, and that status states that we are advancing the interest of our members. Our members are registered nurses, so we are advancing the interest of our members. Did okay. I cover everything? No, you did. That was I mean that was very eloquently said. Right. And it, but as you were talking about, oh, I have a question. Like it just prompted yeah. <laughs> so much, so many questions because and guys, I've been a nurse for twenty three years, so I'm going to go back in time a little bit. I didn't know all of this or yeah. understand this when I entered, definitely didn't know it in nursing school, didn't really know it early on in my profession, started to learn a little bit more once I became involved with ANA. I became an active member with ANA. Actually, I was a member, I'd been a mem paid member for a while, but I mean, actually being more than just a paid member, mm. you got to get into the meetings, you got to participate, you got to go to the conferences, you got to go to the events, you got to network, you got to vote for the board and, you know, and be an active member to really understand Mm -hmm. what's going on? What are we doing? And again, it's a professional nursing organization. So you should be a part of ANA. That's going to make our voice stronger, especially as a larger segment of the healthcare workforce. Now, 
when you mentioned all of those things about the BRN, that is a very small group of people with a lot of power. You guys, you don't understand everything from your nursing education, how many hours, how many, how you get through nursing school, what the requirements are to get into nursing school, to get through nursing school, the NCLEX to your licensing. If you're out of state and you want to practice in California, how do you, you know, get a license out here and listen? I just participated in November's Board of Registered Nursing meeting, just so you know, and it it was flooded, flooded with information. Two days, two days of information. And I didn't even participate the entire time because it was it wasn't conducive to my work schedule. So I'm gonna have to we'll we'll talk to the board about that another another time. But Marquetta, I don't think that nurses really understand well but you you clarified the distinction between being a part of your professional organization, but then also the roles that the board has. Now I'm going to ask this question because it may feel like an elf in the room. How does ANA on one side and the BRN here, how do we get the things that we express in ANA, you know, what the, the voices of the nurse, the things that we desire for our profession to spill over into the BRN? Do we have to participate separately through the, like we have to participate through both? Does the BRN listen to the ANA? How about that? <laughs> Well, that's a lovely. I don't question. want to get you in trouble, but you know. <laughs> no, that's a lovely question. I, I I absolutely understand what you're asking me, and I'll get to it. I just want to make sure that you know that in California, I think there are like 50 nursing organizations. Not everybody is a lobbyist organization. Not everybody is focused on legislation or policy. But there are uh, there are slew of uh, professional nursing association in California, from emergency nurses to APRNs to nurse midwives, right, to nurse yes. practitioners to Philippines. Filipino nurses, to Armenian nurses, to men in nursing, to critical care nurses, uh, uh, dialysis nurses. So there is, I think, around 50 organizations just in California alone. And so uh, what what we've tried to do, and we work very closely with our um, uh, most frequent collaborators, our our coalition partners, and that is ACNL, uh, Association of California Nurse Leaders. We work very closely with Health Impact, which is the California Workforce Center. We work also with representatives from the California Hospital Association, CHA, which not every time we have aligned strategic objectives, but when we do, we always try to work together. So having said that, what is really important and the only way how we can really influence the decision making of the BRN and to educate the board members, there is eight or nine board members mm-hmm. sitting at the California Board of Registered Nursing, and they are the ones making all the decision for nursing education and nursing practice and nursing licensing and nursing enforcement. Nine I think it's important, Marquetta, just to also for the folks listening, they're not all nurses. They are yep. not all nurses. And yep. I think that was by design. Again, as we mentioned, it this is. is a governmental it, agency yes. initially created to protect the public. And so Correct. Yeah, I sat on the meeting. I was a little frustrated with some yeah. things, but I have to understand we need objective people to ask yeah. the questions Correct. that we as nurses assume, you know, we already assume because we're nurses. But yeah. we need them to ask those questions. So in all fairness, they're needed. But just so you all know, listening, not everyone on the board of registered nursing uh, is an actual nurse. 
Uh, but yeah, that, that's absolutely correct. And all the other licensing boards in California, they are under one umbrella organization, which is called the Department of Consumer Affairs, because uh, because yes. we all are consumers. And so the DCA, Department of Consumer Affairs, they are shielding all the 19 boards, and they all have public members as members of the board. And for the, it was designed for this very specific purpose. So they're asking the lay questions. They are really asking what we as professionals, we as nurses what we take for granted or we think we understand or we just we even um we make decisions without even discussing it that's why the public members are there so they are asking these very basic questions and i do not mean that those are basic questions but for us nurses we talk about issue we know the basics but it is the public yes. that it doesn't and that's why they're there so they have very very important role the the issue with that is that exactly what you said at, at the beginning very few nurses registered nurses in california actually understand what california brn does all we know is that they're sending us uh, licenses right we have to renew license we have to pay our fee that's all majority of nurses know it is my understanding that i did my doctorate here at um, the doctorate in nursing dnp at university of san francisco but other than that i did my nursing and my pediatric uh, certification in czech republic so but it is my understanding that that is not really part of nursing curriculum that is not really part of nursing education we do not really talk or we do not really teach our nursing students about the importance of politics, policy, and regulation in our profession. Those are not dirty words. Politics, policy, and regulations are really crucial and fundamental to owning and and really representing our profession. If we do not take these, um, these steps to really advance our profession and to protect it and to make sure that we are innovative and we are really staying with the uh, with all the new trends, then who is making those decisions? Because somebody is. Somebody is always making yes. decisions. If we are not making those decisions, who is? And just because we are not, that doesn't mean the decisions are not being made. That's a huge error in judgment. There are always decisions are always being made. And so I don't even have to tell you, we've had these discussions before where I say that I operate inside the area of politics and policy. Those are, again, not dirty words. And I hear so much grief and so much upset from my fellow colleagues, nurses, because many of them tell me that we should not be in politics. Nursing is, nursing is not political. We should not be part of political discussions. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nursing is all about political decisions because somebody is making decisions. Who gets cared? How, how we pay for the care? What is it that you can do as an NP or as a certified nurse midwife or as a CRA or as a CNS? Somebody is making these decisions and it's the politicians. They make yes. the law. And then it's the regulatory agencies, for us, the BRN, that promulgates the regulations, how it's going to be done. So if we say that, I agree, nursing should not be partisan. Absolutely agree. But nursing inherently is political. Because these are political decisions. Just the fact that you show up in your hospital or institutions or clinic and you do your work, that is done by law, right? Law states what you can do. That's the scope of practice. That's the Nursing Practice Act. Who passes laws? Politicians. And if we don't educate them, if we don't have open lines of communications, and nursing is very complicated, very complex. Not one elected official is a nurse in California. There's maybe three or four in Congress. And so they don't know. 
right? Initially, I thought, oh, everybody knows what nurses do. And then I was listening to committee hearing at the state capitol. And then I realized that they were voting on issues from agriculture, data protection, banking, school, something about food security. And then they were voting on nursing. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I know nursing. I know nothing about banking. I know nothing about forestry. I know nothing about food security. I know nothing about agriculture. And yet they have to make these decisions. So who educates them? Somebody needs to educate them, right? It should be us. I so agree. And I'd like to liken this to, because some people might still feel far removed from this conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, you know, everything's political these days. It is. It's, but just think about it when you're at work and then all of a sudden a new policy rolls around or a new process. And you're like, this doesn't work for me. Who did this? And you realize that it was somebody above your, someone who was in the C-suite who made this decision, who isn't even a nurse, although they're head of the hospital, you think that they would understand your role and what you know complicates it, what makes it easy and all of these things, but they don't really understand what happens at ground zero. So they make these decisions and it rolls out and you're unhappy. And then when you're disgruntled, then you voice concern. Yeah. But why do you have to wait till you're disgruntled to voice concern and then undo all of these changes? I think we could save a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of resources. If we just come to the table, And listen, as a nurse, I'm putting myself in this bucket. We're really good at our nursing organizations, our nursing things. We have nursing click. We're like nursing family. But we're not as quick to enter other conversations outside of nursing. Maybe it's more of a general health conversation, like a public health. Mm -hmm. We don't get in those conversations until we we see something go wrong or we're not agreeable to it. Like, who made that decision? You guys need a nurse on your committee. Well, how about you come join our meeting and be a part of it? Sometimes people don't know that they don't know what they don't know. And as nurses, we, as long as there's going to be a problem with people, we can help be solutions. So we need to insert ourselves in conversations, not wait till you're invited. I don't want to say party crash, but kind of party crash, you know, but yep. it's for the public's best interest. As nurses, we have I'm a way of you. thinking. Yep. Using mm-hmm. our, the nursing process. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you can apply the nursing process to anything, but yeah. we have to be a part of this conversation. And when it comes to politics, Marquette, I think we really need to do a better job of inserting some of this in our initial education, because then it prepares us. It prepares us as to what to expect in the workforce and to what to expect in the world. Because while many of us will go on to work in a hospital or maybe clinic, there are other opportunities and avenues that nursing can, you know, can take. We can be a part of government. We can be, you know, in the military. We can be part of larger initiatives that still would benefit from a nurse's focus or a nurse's input. But we got to be in the conversation. So if we're, if we're not getting this in nursing school mm-hmm. um, as much, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I, and I don't want to discredit, there's probably some very passionate professors out there mm-hmm. who do teach this and some programs that are great. Wonderful. Please share your best practices. Yes. However, um, this is where it's an excellent opportunity, you know, as a member of your professional organization, there are um, workshops, seminars, and um, leadership institutes that you can be a part of. Mm-hmm. I was actually a part of the advocacy a leadership institute. Uh, Marquetta, can you tell our audience a little bit more about that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought it up because that was really, uh, it was fundamental for me too. First, I just want to, I just want to reiterate what you said, that it is uh, thanks to enlightened, fantastic nursing faculty and professors that they hear about what I do and they've heard from somebody that, that I did presentation. I go out of my way to use regular, normal language. I'm very approachable because I know that issues of politics and policy in nursing and healthcare can scare people away. So I go out of my way, not to talk about those issues 
in, in, in that terminology in that way. So when um, when nursing faculty hears that I've done presentation for other students and anytime anybody reaches out to me, I never say no. I always go and I, I always deliver uh, presentations for nursing schools anywhere, anytime. I don't care because, as you said, this is the preparation and, and and nursing students are so open to, and no matter how old they are or no matter what, you know, bachelor's, ADN, uh, MSN, it doesn't matter. Uh, nursing students at any level of academic progression are so open to policy changes and because they are finally learning and asking questions, how can we improve the system? How can we improve nursing? How can we advance it? What can I do? Those are the right questions. And so anytime I'm invited, I always go. So if there is anybody wanting me to to talk and give presentation you know now we do everything over zoom which you know i hate but i will do it so please reach out to me but i wanted to say is that 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 we do not talk about it as much and i think that it is really to our detriment because right, we always go back to it you know what you were saying that oh my god there is new policy who made this up like who made us that we're gonna have to click here and sign here and and another paperwork and another document oh my god who is doing this well, if we are not part of the policy decision, policy making process, somebody is making these decisions, right? They're not waiting for us. So if we're not there, right, they, they will continue to make these decisions. And I think that that's why it's so crucial that, you know, that, that you that you have this podcast. And, and again, thank you for inviting me to talk about this important, important part, because it is all it all starts and ends with us right as you said majority yes. of us will still work even though it's not 80% anymore it's like 60 or 55% of us will still work in acute care hospitals the rest will be in clinics and long term care public health right government world health organization united nations um, you know international council on nursing and and, and a variety of nursing nursing so much we can do yeah but we got to start at home. We got to take yes. care of our profession because right. although I independently can advance my career, mm -hmm. I've not done the best job I can do. If not, I've not turned around to help someone else in our future generations of nurses. Mm -hmm. So we really need to get this, whip it all together and be active and be an active participant, familiarize ourselves with policy and procedures. And I think that's it's an excellent leadership skill. So for those of you who are listening who are like, I want to be a manager or a director. You don't necessarily even have to be a manager or director to understand or want to know about policy. It's mm -hmm. important for us to understand what governs our practice. So yeah. I'll say this. In the state of California, clinical nurse specialists don't have prescriptive authorities. In other places, they do. I don't really like that. I don't like that. And my only course of action was to go back for a post-master's degree to become a nurse practitioner to be able to gain this, you know, this scope of practice. And I felt like, you know, there could have been an easier way to bridge CNSs to NPs to this prescriptive authority. There are situations where CN it would be appropriate for CNSs to prescribe. And, but that's not, that's not how it is in California. So mm -hmm. it's work that needs to be done. And who's going to do the work unless we identify that there's an issue and voice our concerns. So these are the things that we need to do. So if there's anything that's bugging you about practice, like how come they don't let us do this? And we should be able to do this. And especially now that we've had the pandemic and we've seen that we've all been allowed to really push forward to do things that some of these things probably weren't even in our scope legally, whatever, but pandemic happened. We were just trying to save lives. But now we've seen like, wow, we really can do all of these things, you know, and we, there's a need, there's a need for it. So why not make some of these things into policy? Because, you know, we always want to practice to the full scope 
of our education and training. And a lot of times that's limited by this. Our scope is limited because of regulations and by the law, by the law that governs and regulation that is by the law. I know mm-hmm. we don't want to break any laws. And right. by the way, just, I know I said something about the pandemic, just, just, we were saving lives. So that was an emergency situation, but moving, <laughs> moving forward, mm-hmm. we really want to make sure that we're doing everything, you know, that we can to advance our profession, our practice, and our scope of practice legally. And that's going to start with us as nurses. And mm-hmm. so we got it. We got a no policy, Marquetta. We got to yeah. be active members of yeah. not only the ANA, but also participate in the BRN meetings. Mm-hmm. And plus also, you know, we always talk about policy, but, and I guess, you know, maybe I used to be guilty of the fact that I just used the word policy and it never occurred to me to actually describe or define what it actually means because policy is everything. From the moment you walk inside your clinic or your institutions or your or your unit, policy states what you can and cannot do. Like first, you need to come here. You need to clock in. You need to pick up your assignment. Then you need to do this. Then you need to do this. Those are policies, right? So we all know that during the onboarding orientation for a new job, you have to go through so many policies because you have to sign everything. Those are the rules that are stating what and how you can do your job. So anytime something is not working, and especially now uh, during, you know, based on evidence-based practice, anytime something is not working, use the data and change the policy, right? So policy is from government policy, legislative policy, public health policy, clinical policy, uh, HR policy, right? Those are the rules how we carry our profession out. And so so everything is about policy. We wanted to change, um, you know, like uh, when visitors can come to our unit when I work in, in critical care unit. And and guess what? It's a policy, right? It's a visitor's policy. So we brought, you know, four people together. We started discussing it. We brought a couple of uh, former patients and we listened to their views and we changed the policy. Boom. That's it, right? Anytime you want to change something, it's a policy. So we do it yes. every day. Every day. Yes. And let me say in my role as a CNS, part of my duties was to evaluate all hospital policies. I was part of the policy committee, Mm -hmm. at least at a minimum of every three years, some were more frequent than that. But just Mm -hmm. to lay eyeballs on it, look at best practice, look at data, benchmark what's going on in other communities and other hospitals and see, are we, is this, does this policy suit us and our patients? Mm -hmm. And it is allowing us to be as effective and efficient as possible. Yeah. Is now it listen. serving us, right? Is, is it, it serving, serving us? us? Is it serving our so, patients? Is it serving yes. us? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And this is one of the things I loved about being a CNS. Now, someone described it as being a clinical deviant. I don't know why, where that word came from, but it allowed me to say, why? You know, the little annoying kids like, well, why this? Why that? Why this? Why this? So that was me. And I, it was it was beneficial to the committee because in the long run, they say, Alice, you know, we're so glad that you asked these questions that we would have just never thought of. That's mm-hmm. who we need to be at these BRN meetings and looking at policy because does this policy suit us? And maybe it did when it was established, but right. maybe three, four, five, seven years later, it doesn't. And so that's why we got to participate and mm-hmm. keep up with the time. So, you know, I wish important. it was just five, seven years. There are like, you know, 20, 30 year old policies. Oh, and, yeah. we just, and we just follow them because this is just how we've always done it. But I just, I really, really despise the sentence. This is how we've always done it. Because if my life went based on this is how we've always done it, I would be still sitting in post-communist Czechoslovakia working, you know, at my first job where I, where I worked in, in ER, which was great job. Don't get me wrong, but I would not get on this amazing journey through England and Canada and America and getting my doctorate and, you know, uprooting my life to really 
be at the tribe section of politics, administration and healthcare and nursing. So, you know, old rules are there to be questioned and challenged. And if they still serve us, great. But if they are not serving us, then we need to bring nurses together and we need to figure out how to make it better. And that's that's all change of policy is. But we don't teach it. We don't talk about it. Policy work is very sometimes frustrating. I'll be honest with you. It takes a lot of time. Nothing changes overnight. And I think from our clinical practice, right, me as a nurse anesthetist and pediatric nurse and and OR nurse, it's like boom, boom, done, right? I fix it and I leave. Yeah, policy doesn't work like that at all. So I think when nurses do get actively involved in policy, I think the stark realization how complicated and complex and sometimes difficult process it is or it can be yes. but that is to be expected right that this is um, you're growing you're learning yeah, yeah, exactly nothing 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 was built overnight and so just the fact that we know it now we understand it takes you know a little bit of time you have to bring interested stakeholders together you have to come up with mm-hmm. deliverables you have to agree on what you're going to be changing you have to bring the right people in right, right? there are all these steps and so what, what we've decided to do with ANA California it was actually an uh, extension of my DNP project where I created public policy toolkit uh, to to teach nurses for nurses to be able to learn themselves you know the importance of politics and policy and nursing, we extended that policy toolkit into actually we established the Advocacy Institute, ANA California Advocacy Institute, which is variation on the ANA, what you and I, what we did, the Advocacy um, advocacy Institute at the National ANA. And so we really brought it from the national and federal perspective to, uh, to California state issues. And so this is our inaugural class. Uh, we started with, with four, five, four or five fellows at ANA California right now, and they're working on change of policy in mental health in nursing and moral injury, racism in healthcare, future of nursing uh, recommendation 2030, and a clean air in Central Valley. Those are huge, huge, yes. huge subjects. And yet our policy fellows are doing marvelous and they are learning the process and they are passionate about what they're doing. And you just take it step by step by step. And if we cannot fix... <laughs> fix you know mental health and nursing you know during the one year we have a fellow that's fantastic we're gonna have a new fellow starting in april again so that fellow will take it over and will continue its work because this is how it should be right it is our responsibility and it is our opportunity to be doing this and i think that more organizations and more nursing schools and more just even you know as i call myself grown up grown up registered nurse right Mm -hmm. um we need to know that this is our responsibility and this is something that we need to be talking about. This is something that we need to be passionate and this is something that we need to share with our fellow nursing colleagues. And I'm so excited that we have that in California. Now, when I did it, Marquette did it, that didn't exist. So I'm glad to see that it's been brought down to the state level. And that's excellent because we we could... We need more of these institutes to teach our nurses. But let me say this. I I don't even remember exactly when I did mine. I want to say it was 2000. 11. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a while ago because sometimes people ask me, wow, how did you get to where you are now? Mm -hmm. That Advocacy Leadership Institute was Mm -hmm. instrumental. Let me tell y'all, instrumental in my career. And it it, it literally helped me pivot in my head. Like I was already a great nurse already. And I was like, boom, like I, all of a sudden I got there and I was like, this is my tribe. 
I get it. Like it, it challenged me. It allowed me to think outside the box. It allowed me to think greater and bigger. So even if you want, to, you're an entrepreneur, you're someone who wants to grow academically in research, maybe you want to do, stay in the hospital, become the chief nursing officer. Surrounding yourself with people and getting this type of information and knowledge is going to be pivotal in your career. And I have to say, this isn't something that you necessarily learn on the job. I didn't learn it in nursing school, or maybe I, maybe I did, but there was an application. It was the application that was part of this program that you had to go out and talk to your legislators in a guided manner. We, you know, we went over it as a group, what the policy is, what the pros and cons were, and how this was important to the profession. And you go out and you talk to your legislative legislature and, and several of them. And so we're like, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk to this person. I don't know what to say. But you were thrusted into this environment and you were a nurse. So if anything, you knew way more than they did about nursing. So did, don't even worry. That five minutes is going to go by real fast because that's all they got time for. And I'm, I walked away from it like, oh my gosh. And I started thinking on such a grander level of things and about how impactful nursing can be in so many different areas, communities, and like outside of just nursing and medical and, you know, the traditional topics we think of, but even clean water, sanitation, like how the things that we know as nurses about infection control can impact that. But I said that to say, I did that leadership program and that pivoted me in my career and actually helped segue me onto the path that I'm on now is being a medical contributor because I used to put myself in a box like, well, I can only talk about nursing things or these type of things. But then I realized, okay, there's a fire that's eating up, you know, acres of land talking about the importance of the air quality. And it just really broadened my horizons and being a nurse, I have the credentials, education, training to help people to be healthy. I can take that knowledge, apply it to something I'm interested in and help keep everyone safe and still serve others. So exactly. if you haven't already, I want to encourage you so much to, mm-hmm. if you're in California, definitely check out, how, how do they find out about the one in California, Marquetta? How do they, um, uh, you can, the you can visit here for the next our, our cycle? Website, yeah, anacalifornia.org. And so then it's, uh, there is a fellowship or um, advocacy institute. There is a tap. Uh, we have a, we have fantastic staff um, in our office, Jared and Chelsea and Teresa. And so they're keeping up with all these okay. events and uh, updates. So we're yeah, just expressing interest website. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm, there is a sign up. Can they yeah, there is a sign up. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So sign up for that. And then if you're not in California, you check with your, you know, your uh, state association. And then right. there's also the the national one. They still do their programming, right? They the do. National mm-hmm. uh, Advocacy Institute. That's a great one to do. Um, and if you have the opportunity, maybe do all of them. Hey, yep. you know, yes. we need more nurses to be engaged. So Marquetta, before I have to have you on quarterly because there's just so many things we got to talk about when it comes to the profession. I really, really, I have to say how much I appreciate you talking about, you know, uh, air quality or, or, or water quality or, you know, importance of food security, because I, I just love that, that you said it because that's my whole mantra, right? We are so vocal inside uh, of our institutions and facilities. And when we step out of those double doors, we like, it, it just seems that we lose our voices. I am not saying everybody. I am just saying that sometimes it feels we lose our nursing voices and our nursing experience because we don't feel we are no longer inside nursing. Therefore, I have nothing to say. 
oh my God, like you couldn't be further from the truth because everything that is happening, you know, in today's, in today's lives, everything is tied to public health. Everything is tied to clean water, food security, shelter, access to medication, uh, chronic care conditions, right? Transportation to see a physician, you know, the, 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 the food you eat, the, the air you breathe, the water you drink, look at Flint, Michigan. So this is my whole mantra that nurses should be serving on boards and commissions and PTAs and, uh, community clinics and water board. Yes. Why shouldn't you be there? Right? It's important that they are keeping up with, you know, public health issues. And that's you as a nurse, right? You are there to be, to bring that expertise. If there is geological board, I don't know if they're digging something somewhere. I'm sure that could be a public health issue. Boom. As a nurse, that's where your expertise is. PTAs, uh, town hall meetings, um, uh, board of supervisors. I don't know if you guys realize how extremely powerful regional board of supervisors are. They're making all the decisions for, for where you live. Yeah. So you can bring your nursing skills, your transferable nursing skills. You can bring it anywhere. And I think we just need to be increasing our voices outside of our clinical or academic settings. I think we're not doing ourselves any favors. I think it's a disservice if, if they don't hear from us from outside, not just inside hospitals and clinics. I want to take this moment to empower everyone, every single person who's listening to this. Although we appreciate having employment and working in hospitals or clinics or in public health, wherever you work, you know, we're there to serve. We love taking care of people. But please do not allow your job to define you as a nurse. You're going to leave that well, I don't know if you're going to stay there forever, but you may change your job. You may be out of work for a while. You may decide to not work while you go to school. You are still a nurse. You are still a nurse. As long as your nursing license is active, hey, that's a protected title. Your, your license has to be active for you to claim being a nurse. But as long as you are a nurse, you, you have the education, you have the training, you have something to say. You have knowledge to give the public. When you walk out of that hospital, don't feel like, oh, I don't have anything to say you can say a lot at the PTA meetings, at the church, at the, you know, your city council meeting, you know, go to the Capitol, speak to your legislators. You can be, you know, run for Congress, run for Senate. Like we can do so many things. And some people are saying, well, Nurse Alice, are you telling nurses to leave the bedside? Listen, we do need people to work at the bedside. However, we all will evolve. We mm -hmm. all will grow. We will turn around and mentor and raise someone else up in this nursing profession. So we will, there will be people after us, but as we excel, it's important that we do our duty to, as we advance our career to, to also take care of our profession and, you know, make our profession proud. So I hope that in what I do as a medical contributor, I hope I make nurses proud. I let people know around, you know, the world that, Hey, I am an advanced practice nurse. I am a nurse. And I am still able to talk about these important health and wellness issues. I don't necessarily need to be a physician. And so I'm hopefully trailblazing something so that other nurses can come with me, behind me to do the same thing. But it's all about advancing our profession. So Marquetta, it's been a pleasure having you. This has been a really great conversation. I feel like I'm kind of motivated, really motivated right now to do something and uh, to make change. Sign oh, one thing I will say. One thing I learned about being in the uh, attending the well, first off, I am a member paid. I've been a long time paid member of ANA American Nurse Association, and so for those of you who may not know, I'm a past board member of ANA California. I've been a part of and involved in different committees along the years, and I actually ran for 
the national ANA vice president position. Now I didn't win. That's okay. We have still have a great person in seat, but I put myself out there to be involved and I'm going to encourage all of you all to be involved. You might say, Oh, I don't have time work in school. Well, become a member, be a part of the information. Maybe you can attend virtually get, get the notes, send an email. You can still voice your concern via calls, emails, show up when you can to meetings. You know, your voice is still very important. So that's one thing. So be a member of American nurse association. Then also, if you can attend the BRN meetings, and even if you can't be there live on the Zooms, there are recordings, there are notes, you can send emails and sign up for their newsletter. At least you'll get uh, an email notification about what's coming down the pipeline. And that way, if you, in scanning, if you see something, you can say, oh, this is an interest. Let me click in real quick or chime in, but sign up for the newsletter. I kind of thought, well, I pay for my license. They should just automatically send this. No, they don't. You got to sign up. You got to sign up. So go to the BRN website, sign up for the newsletter so you can get the information. And now Marquetta. So tell us uh, in closing, because we're going to have her back, guys. That's, it's just a given. We're going to have to do this quarterly because we have a lot of professional issues that we need to discuss. But anything hot topic right now for ANA or ANA California that you want to share with our audience? Yeah, upcoming events. So upcoming events, Yes, we are gearing up for, oh my God. So we are kicking off our advocacy mentorship program, uh, our brand new uh, membership benefit. So uh, so right now we are uh, we issued calls for calls to action for mentors and mentees. We're going to have 50 I'm mentors. Yes, please, 50 mentees. And so since we are a advocacy association, we will be focusing on advocacy leadership. So that is our mentorship program. Then in February, February, we are focusing and we will have Nurse Alice on, on February 22nd, 2022, we are doing a, um, a variation on our very successful lobby day. So we are doing nurses in media day, right? And so we're going to be, it's going to be a virtual event free for everybody. And we're going to be talking exactly what we're talking here, but we're going to focus it on why our voices are important, right? Outside those facilities and outside those institutions yes. and how we need to be using media to educate the public. So Nurse Alice will hang out with us. So that's February. In March, we're going to be following up with very specific individual nurses in media training with Barbara Glickstein. And then in April, I think like I'm going to be branded at that point. But in, in April, we're going to have our lobby day and we're going to have our general assembly, which is also a conference. And that is in Sacramento. April 24th and 25th, 2022. Then we're going to have more more events and kickoffs during the um, uh, nursing, Nurses Week. And I think I just kind of made it into June. <laughs> a, lot to, a lot to look forward to, and I'm sure a lot will happen till then. Now, quick question. Do you have to be a nurse in California to attend these events? Uh, you can attend these uh, these events even if you're not a nurse in California. It's just we are a membership organization, and so uh, our bylaws clearly states that uh, that a, a California a registered nurse with California license can be our member. But that is not to say that you cannot uh, attend these virtual events, that you cannot sign up for for our webinars and seminars. You know, in in um, we are just actually finalizing in January. We will have a like last Thursday in January, we're going to have a webinar from Dr. Danisha Jenkins on nursing and policing, right? It was her PhD oh. dissertation. And so that is a, that's going to be a very powerful hour. Then in February, we're going to have another, we're trying to have a webinar every, every month or so. We're going to be talking about nursing moral injury. 
right? Then we're going to be talking about wow. the racism, uh, the National Commission on Racism. We're going to have uh, Dr. Daniela Vargas, and she's going to be talking about how important research is for, you know, es- establishing racism in nursing policies. And so there is just a lot going on, and it's all about positive change and advancing the profession and, and communication and learning from one another and just making sure that we're, we leave the profession in better shape than we found it. Oh, wow. Look at this. See how my state association of nursing does? California is so awesome. Now, it's not to say that your state isn't good, too, but California is like leading the way here. I love it. I love it. And if you're not a nurse in California, you can still participate in the events, right? Yes. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. You guys, this is Dr. Marketa Hauskova. She is the executive director for the American Nurses Association in California. She is, is a registered nurse, and we appreciate her taking the time to uh, chat with us this morning. She's actually talking with us from out of the country. That's yeah. how dedicated she is. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm looking after my family in Czech Republic. So I am, I'm in Czech Republic. Listen, always a nurse, always on duty. Yes. Uh, 24-7, 365 days a year. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Nurse Alice. This has been the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. Again, thanks to nurse.org for um, supporting the show. And we hope that you share this episode with your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers, you know, your nursing students. Um, it's really a very important topic. We really want to empower and encourage nurses to uh, voice our concerns and learn, you know, learn the policy, learn how this all works so we can take that information and really advance the profession the way that we feel and know that, you know, it, it should be done. If you have any questions or comments or there's a topic or specific question that you have for myself or a guest, please email that to nursealice at nurse.org. We'll make sure that we get that addressed because we value what you hear, what you want to hear and the questions that you have. And this is really for you guys. So until next time, guys, please make good choices, be kind to one another and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education and community resources. 